for those of you who do not know I, who I am, I am Chris Forstek. I am the uh, new worship pastor here, worship director here at FBC. And, uh, well, <laughs> I'm relatively new. If I put the tag new on it, Dennis, that way I get a little more, like, grace and mercy on everything. So, <laughs> But uh, I have uh, been a believer since I was about 15 years old, saved the first time I ever went to youth group because of my now lovely wife. Uh, she took me, and, well, I really wanted to go because I didn't want to lose her, and turns out I needed him. So <laughs> it was a wonderful time, and here I am. But our reading today is from Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 through 5, and this is what it says. This is the Lord's answer. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits on a point, an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Indeed, wine betrays him. He is arrogant and never at rest because he is as greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the peoples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Chris. And it is good to have Chris here with us. We are very, very thankful for him. So, yeah, you can give him some love. We are going to be in two locations, uh, Habakkuk 2 and also Mark 9. So if you want to grab those two locations in Scripture, that is where we will be. We are continuing on in our series, Hope in the Dark. It's, we're in week five, walking through the book of Habakkuk. It is a minor prophet, which just means it is a small uh, writing in the Old Testament, a uh, word that was given to Habakkuk. And actually, it's more of a conversation between Habakkuk and God. As Habakkuk cries out, and he, he complains, and God answers. He complains again, God answers. And then it resolves in this worship song, this praise and Habakkuk is crying out first about the situation in Judah, in Israel, saying, man, things are a mess. Things are, uh, with your people, God, they're, they're messy. How are you standing for this? And God's like, well, I'm not. I'm gonna send your enemy, the Babylonians, and they're gonna wipe everyone out, just raid the city, destroy the city, which we see in 2 Kings 25. And then Habakkuk says, no, I do not like that idea. Let's go to another option. And God responds with what Chris read this morning. And Habakkuk leaves where we left off last week by saying, you know what, I'm gonna go up to a high spot. I'm gonna go to the rampart. I'm gonna look out for you. I'm waiting for your answer. And we don't know how long he waited, but again, the Lord answered. And this should be an encouragement to all of us, is that we can go to God with heavy, hard things. We can be very raw with God and God does not destroy Habakkuk. He answers Habakkuk. This is a beautiful thing that he responds to him. He lovingly lays it out. And Habakkuk, as I already said, he doesn't like the answer, but he knows that God has heard him and God responds. And hope is what we talked about last week and hope being attached to God through Jesus, that this is a steady hope that we have in the middle of whatever challenge or situation or darkness that we may be in, but we have to wait. And we wait knowing who God is, and we know his promises which are found in the word. 
Last week when you were sent out of here, I said, whatever you're facing, whatever this hardship is, put it before the Lord. And then be willing to wait. And while you wait, to pray the words that Jeremiah did from Lamentations 3. Jeremiah said this, he said, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. So he's reminding himself of this truth. He's reminding himself and that gives him hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is the one I lean on, the one I depend on, and therefore I can wait for him. Now this week has been a hard week for uh, people all around the world, and, and from a distance here is, I've definitely felt a, a heaviness as I have watched the news, as I have read articles, as I have listened to different things, is just a, a burden. And as I have watched mothers and fathers and aunts and uncles and friends and family be interviewed, crying out, because of the loss of a loved one or the question where they may be, I couldn't help but think of what we're talking about in Habakkuk. Is the reality that would unfold as these same, that the, the other mothers and fathers, others aunts and uncles and grandparents would be crying out at the loss, at what is unfolding. It's been a week of lament around the world and uh, for loss of life and fear and destruction. And earlier this week, a friend of mine that I went to seminary with, he sent out an email and he said these words, I wanna share these words. He said, every day and night for the past three days, we ran out into the stairwell of our old apartment building countless times since we do not have a bomb shelter. Most of the rockets were intercepted by the Iron Dome, some even as close as above our roof. Some fell very near. We can hear as well the constant Israeli shelling in Gaza, which is half an hour away. And at times, our windows and the whole buildings are shaking from this. We have been in Israel for more than four years now, and unfortunately, we have gotten used to the yearly shooting of rockets and the regular terror attacks. But the horror of the last days is unheard of since the creation of the state of Israel. And what Eve had to say, what Eve and his wife are experiencing, he, he's this, this lament of this is what is unfolding, this is what has been unfolding, and this is the horror that is being experienced by all who are involved. Eve has been pleading with God like many others. Habakkuk pleaded with God as well. And what we see here is, is Habakkuk getting a response from the Lord, starting in verse two of chapter two. The Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time and it speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come. So what the Lord is telling Habakkuk is, I'm giving you a message, and I want you to take it, and I want you to share it. And I want you to write it down so that it's permanent. I want you to have this to encourage people who are in the middle of suffering, who are in the heart of the difficulty, that it would be a comfort. See, in the middle of our questioning and our hardship and whatever it may be that we're facing or have faced or will face is we need a steady place to come back to. And we thankfully, we have the word that we can go to, the promises of God, and that we wanna continue to keep it on our mind and continue to read it because we can be reminded, no matter what chaos is around us, the steady point and the solid rock of Jesus. And Habakkuk said, can run with it, which means also to run into it in this passage. 
This reminds me of a proverb, Proverbs 18.10, which says, the name of the Lord is a fortified or strong tower, and the righteous run to it or run into it and are safe. That there is a safe place when it comes to the Lord. He is that steady place that we're reminded of who he is. And when hard times come, Habakkuk recognizes this, as we've already mentioned with this conversation and the questions before God, is that when difficulty comes, questions are natural. Some of you have been taught as you've been grown up in faith is don't ask questions because that will shake your faith. Don't, don't ask the hard questions, just trust. I think questions are helpful. And questions are honest. Questions are very human. And if we're really seeking truth, we will find it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if we're seeking truth, we're going to find Jesus. So your questions are natural when you're walking through difficult things. It's just what do you do with your questions? Do you try to answer them or do you go to the strong tower, the fortified reality of Jesus? The Lord tells Habakkuk is that, you know what? I'm working. And you know what? You're gonna have to wait for some things. And Habakkuk asks a question early on. He says, how long is this gonna happen? How long is this gonna last? When's this gonna end? We often love our time frames. When we're in the middle of a situation, we're like, just one more day, one more week. Hopefully this will be done in a month. And we set it out in a time frame, and then we put our trust and our faith in a timeline because there's a control element, right? We have a situation that's out of control, and we just, if I just get past this and past this, we have this control reality. And we put our trust in this timeline. But the Lord's telling Habakkuk, hey, don't trust in any sort of timeline that you're running with. Know that it's something I'm doing. Put your faith and trust in me. And he tells Habakkuk in verse four, he says, see, your enemy is puffed up like, it looks like the enemy is winning and his desires are not upright. But here's this key passage of the book of Habakkuk. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness or will live by faith. The righteous person will live by faith. What I love about the Lord's answer is that he doesn't ignore Habakkuk. He leans in and he's like, you know what? You're right. It looks like the enemy's winning. You're right, it, it, the enemy does not have a pure heart. But your responsibility is to be faithful. As a follower, you're to be faithful. Because this situation is going to refine and change and mold you. And so how are you gonna walk through it and who are you gonna be when you get to the other side? The Lord's telling Habakkuk, just lean into me. The righteousness found in God. Lean into that. Be faithful. Now, faith. Faith is something that is not just a religious reality. We attach faith to religion, to Christianity, to following Jesus. But faith is not something that religious people can claim as their own. Because every single human being has faith. It's just what or who that faith is in. Maybe it's in a person or a cause or a belief or a system. As followers of Jesus, we put our faith in Jesus, and so we trust in Jesus. Paul wrote these words in Galatians. He said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by what? By what? 
Faith. Faith, by faith, right? It is by faith that we live. It's faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul's saying, like, I have died with Christ. My old self, my own solving, my own wisdom, my own intellect, all this, it's not about me. It's about Christ who lives in me. He is the empowerment. He is the catalyst that sets us forward. And faith is at the center of following Jesus. Now, Paul took Habakkuk's words, or the, the words out of Habakkuk that the Lord gave to him, and built his structure of the gospel, built out his theology around the gospel. Romans 1 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For, the gospel, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Paul says, hey, I'm pointing to what the Lord told Habakkuk long ago, that the righteous will live by faith. In Galatians 3.11, Paul wrote, Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because, again, here's the words from Habakkuk, the righteous will live by faith. So there's this key message coming out of Habakkuk is in the middle of chaos, the righteous will live by faith. Paul's theology, the righteous will live by faith. As followers of Jesus, we're called to faith. Flip over to Mark chapter nine with me. There's a story that maybe you heard in the past year, and it's a story about a father and a son in a serious situation. But there's this progression of faith when it comes to the father that I want us to notice today as we think about the righteous living by faith. Starting in verse 14 of Mark 9. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground and he foams at the mouth, gnashing his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. So here's the situation. A father is coming to the disciples of Jesus because he has heard of Jesus and heard of the power of Jesus. He takes his son who's possessed to the disciples and he says, heal him, please. And the disciples couldn't do anything. I wonder what that does to faith, right? I had faith that you could do this. Well, there's a maturity of faith. And pastor and author John Mark Comer, he points out there is an important progression of faith that happens. And the first is faith of religion. This is where we all start when we start following Jesus. We begin here. This is a, a set, a system. These are beliefs. It's a structure that we put ourselves within and under and say, this is who we believe in. This is how we're to live. This is how we're to navigate the world around us. We put ourselves within this. And this is good and healthy, and it helps build principles and foundations for following Jesus. And often, one of the key realities of a faith of religion is a, an if-then statement. And an if-then statement that looks something like this. If I fill in the blank, then God will respond and do whatever it may be. So for the father, he had this belief that if he took a son to the disciples, 
were following Jesus, who's the son of God, then God would heal. But he's disappointed because they've not been able to heal him. See, we do this too, is that if I pray about whatever the situation is, then God's going to answer that prayer. Or if I read my Bible, then God's gonna be happy with me and then this situation will be good. Or if I serve people around me, then I'm gonna be blessed. God will bless me. And see, what happens is sometimes that works out. And so we build in the structure of the faith of religion. This is what our faith is put in. But then there's a day that comes when you do something and it seems like God is silent. What happens then? This is a day for that father. You didn't heal my son. There's disappointment. There's disillusionment. Maybe it's like I'm, I'm done with faith. I'm, I'm done with church. I'm done with religion. See, if we stay in a faith of religion, we will be disappointed. I promise you that. There's a maturing that takes place out of this. It has to. Verse 19 says this. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. So we have this father who comes with this faith of religion. We come with this basic system of beliefs. And then he goes to this next reality of Here's the boy, here's Jesus, and then he goes into this full-out convulsion. It moves from a faith of religion to a faith of desperation. We mature to this place of desperation in following Jesus. That we come to this point of realizing that there are not enough prayers to pray, there are not enough Bible studies to go to, there are not enough church services to go to, there are not enough religious things to do Get to the point. We go to this point of desperation, like the father. And the father says this, he says, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. You hear the ache in the father's heart? Like, it is trying to kill him. But if you can do anything, please Please help us. There's this ache, this longing, this crying out from the Father of help my son. Verse 23, Jesus says, if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. Now, I want us to be really careful because we can digress in our faith progression back to faith of religion right here if we're not very careful. Because it goes back to that if-then statement. Because we can read this and say, oh, if the Father just had enough belief, then God would have answered that prayer. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Jesus is saying, I am enough. I can do this. God the Father is capable. Everything is possible for the one 
who believes everything is possible. There's nothing impossible. This is not about the Father having more faith. It is about where the Father is putting his faith. And this faith of desperation at this point becomes and goes to the next maturing point of a faith of surrender. This deepening of faith is this faith of religion, and then it goes to this desperation point, and then it goes to surrender. It matures from if you can to I believe. And in verse 24, the father says this. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. You feel the tension in that statement? That's okay. That's fine. I do believe, yet I'm still struggling with unbelief. I've been there. I'm there. I will be there, right? You as well. There is this tension in this reality. And a faith of surrender is no longer about the outcome, but rather about the belief. Rather about this tension of, I believe, but I'm struggling. I give it to you. I give it to you, Jesus. I give it to you, Father God. No longer is it about the outcome. I want to draw near to you. I want to know your heart. I want to know your ways. I want to know your will. I want to know what you're about. Help me overcome my unbelief. Faith of religion, faith of desperation, faith of surrender. This is like Job, who at the end said, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I repent in dust and ashes. It's Jesus before he goes to the cross. Not my will be done, but yours. It is Paul in prison to live as Christ, but to die as gain. It is Habakkuk saying, I will wait on the ramparts for your answer. Maturity in faith is to encounter God. It is to rest in the presence of Jesus no matter what's happening around us. It is releasing these worldly attachments and affections and moving us to depend on him. As Paul said in Colossians 3, is to set our mind on things above, to allow our heart to rest in him. We mature from religion to desperation to surrender. And when we get to the surrender place, there is this tension, as I already mentioned, but it also feels out of control. Because many of us may be thinking right now, is like, well, if I surrender this situation, I have just given it all away. I've released it, and it feels like it's out of control, and I have to have something because it feels unsteady and not stable. But the reality is, is that is the most steady and stable place we can be, is resting in Jesus. I think of Paul's words in Romans 8, where Paul said this, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or whatever situation you're thinking of right now? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. 
See, the highest, deepest, most mature level of faith is not just believing everything's going to work out and everything's going to be great and perfect, but rather it's resting and trusting and knowing Jesus. It's putting our faith and our trust in him. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this reality of faith and hope in the dark? Well, as we've been talking about the last number of weeks, is there is this holding on, there is this waiting. There is this reality of surrender. There's seasons where we just have to wait. We don't know what God is doing. We don't know what is unfolding in our reality. And we trust, we lean into, and it's hard. These moments of, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. But then there's other seasons where, whether we're in that same season or, or, or a different season, where God's telling us to take a step of faith, right? We're like, mm, I've been waiting. What do I do with this? Do I take this step? Maybe for you it is that step of faith. I don't know what that is for you. Maybe there's been this prompting from the Holy Spirit, this tap on the shoulder, this nudge, this um, blinking light of like, don't ignore me. Maybe it's that for you. And you keep holding back and it's a step of faith that you need to take. Maybe that's what God is calling you to. Or maybe for you in this season of faith is about practicing gratitude. What are you thankful for? Maybe that's in the morning, just right off the bat. God, thank you for this and this and this. Before you go to bed, God, thank you for this in the day and this in the day and this in the day. For some of you, you just call yourself a complainer. Don't point at the person next to you. If you have a complainer in your household, please don't do that. Is that maybe you call yourself a complainer and you're just like, that's just who I am. It's just the reality of it. No, you can practice gratitude too. Maybe for you, it's a discipline of every time you complain, what are two things you're thankful for? It seems childish, but it's retraining your mind and it's retraining your heart. It's increasing faith. It's increasing this act of surrender. Maybe for you, it's getting around people of faith. Maybe you need people in your life in a more consistent basis that will speak faith into you, that will speak Jesus into you, that know you and you know them, they pray for you, you pray for them. You share stuff, they share stuff. Maybe it's one-on-one, -on -one, maybe it's a group, maybe it, I don't know what it is. Maybe that's your step of faith is getting around people of faith that will encourage you, that will speak that life. Or maybe it's asking for increased faith. I believe, help me in my unbelief. And here's the thing. Father God welcomes all of that. He wants to see you draw near to him, to his heart, to know him, to surrender your life before him. Whether it's for the first time or the thousandth time, it doesn't matter. It is this continual return to the Father God. And there's no one too far away. There's no sin too great. There's no life lived too long. There's a song that someone had me listen to a couple times this week that keeps coming into mind, and it's about the prodigal son, right? Like so often we can feel like we're too far away from God. 
And I picture, I picture the father. The father does the most amazing thing in this story in scripture. The son has gone off and has just seems so far away. He's spent all sorts of money and just lived wild and he realizes he needs to go back to the father. And he's a long ways away. And a father could have stood there like this or been inside or whatever. But the father runs. My favorite part of this story. The father runs and embraces the child. Maybe it feels like your world, like you're too far away or you're not believed or maybe lacking faith or you're struggling or whatever it is, is that the father welcomes you back in with open arms. doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. There's great forgiveness. So what I'm gonna ask you to do is I just want you to, to pause for a minute here. And what is it that has stuck in your heart and your mind? Maybe it's a word or a phrase or a question or something you're wrestling with that you take a moment to process that and pray on that. Maybe it's just a pause and let the Spirit of God um, minister to your heart or your mind. So would you take a minute and just reflect in prayer and silence and then I'll lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your immense love you have for each person sitting in this room, each person watching online, each person outside of these walls all over the world. Lord, you so love the world that you gave your one and only son. God, I thank you for an unfailing love that you have towards us. And Jesus, I pray, if nothing else today, that we would each walk away knowing that we are loved by the creator of the universe that we are known by the creator of the universe, whether we feel it or not. God, may we believe and may you help us with unbelief. Jesus, may we be a people who walk in faith knowing that you care. God, knowing that you know. And Lord, loving us anyway. Jesus, I pray for the people here today who have never taken a step of faith, never acknowledge you as their Savior and their Lord, that today they would say that they believe. They would say, I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. I've sinned. 
And I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that Jesus is the way to the Father God, that Jesus provides salvation, that I believe that if we confess our sins, if I confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I thank you for the words from Habakkuk that said the righteous will live by faith. And so today, I pray for each person that may be taking a step of faith for the first time. I pray for the person here today that is uh, within a faith of religion that is just feeling let down, is feeling broken, is just feeling stuck. Jesus, I pray that they would move to a place of desperation and maybe they're there today just crying out for you of saying, help. Jesus, I pray that your spirit would help in whatever way that may be, through words or people or, or whatever you need to do for them. And Lord, I pray for the people that are desperate here today, that are crying out, that have set loved ones before you or situations or whatever it may be, that each person in this situation would move to a place of surrender, saying, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. I want to draw near to your heart. I want to know you. I want to rest in you today. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you have not forsaken us. You've not given up on us. I thank you that you answer prayer, that you respond to lament, to complaint. God, I thank you for this book in Habakkuk. I pray that your spirit would continue to move in us and through us, Lord, both today and the week ahead. And Jesus, may we glorify you with our words, our actions, our thoughts, and Lord, each and every moment as we walk through this week. Lord, thank you that you love us regardless. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.